Each episode of Education with an Edge is meant to create, cultivate, and inspire honest discussion about issues affecting youth. Hosted by author, artist, educator, advocate, and speaker, Jaquel Lane. Hello, this is Education with an Edge, and I am your host, Jaquel Lane. And today we have an exceptional guest with us, Dan Stokes. And I am so grateful because I actually got to work with Dan for a very long time. He's one of my ultimate favorite people. Um, But a few super cool things about Dan is that he is a stand-up comedian, uh, phenomenal teacher, and an advocate for STEM, um, but also a very dear friend of mine. So thank you, Dan, for being with us here today. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. Such a sweetheart. Um, So just... uh, you know, getting started, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, like your background, your childhood, where you grew up? Yeah. All that good stuff. <laughs> um, so I was born and raised here in Omaha. Um, and my parents uh, had three boys. So I have two brothers. I'm the middle child. And yes, I suffer from middle the child smartest. syndrome. <laughs> um, so my mom was a second grade teacher, my dad was a videographer. And both of my brothers are actually either finishing up law school or getting ready to take the bar exam. So you're good to go. So, like, if yeah. you ever get in trouble, yeah. like, they got you. Right. No. Well, we don't want to manifest that. <laughs> no, I'm just but, kidding. <laughs> um, but yeah, so then I was um, a teacher with OPS for five and a half years. And I currently work at UNO at the College of Information Science and Technology. Awesome. Yeah. Yes. And he is, I can tell you in all the things that Dan does, he is he is exceptional. Um, so looking back on a childhood memory of yours, what did you dream of becoming when you grew up and why? Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, this is such a loaded question because I feel like we <laughs> all go through like different the stages. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I remember being really little, like a veterinarian was my ultimate goal. Yes. Um, wanted to work with animals. Somehow that morphed into wanting to be an actor. Um, so since my dad had some like connections, I was able to do some just fun, silly things with some, you know, videos and films and, and able to get my foot in the door there. So I did acting all throughout like high school. Um, I did some really cheesy commercials for some local businesses here in Omaha. I bet you're good. Um, no, well. <laughs> I'm really good. I mean it. Um, and then, I don't know, uh, by the time I was a sophomore in high school, um, the only thing I really like pictured myself doing was being a science teacher. And I don't know why. You know, everyone always is like, oh, this is the moment I knew. But like, I never had one of those like prolific moments. I was just like, oh, yeah, like I want to teach biology. Like, I think this is really cool. That's awesome. So, yeah, ever since then, I was working on I was on the path to being a science teacher. Very cool. Very, very cool. Um, so this since this is a podcast that's geared towards inspiring young people, what do you think the most significant obstacle or challenge of your youth was? And then how did you overcome that? Um, so I think everybody has like a lot of commonality with maybe some of the obstacles that we face, um, whether that be uh, money issues, relationship issues with either family, friends. I think there's a lot of like definitive um, like challenges that people look, look back and point to. Uh, for me, uh, uh, this is silly, but like I think like learning how to live just authentically as myself yes. and um, figuring out how to love myself is one of the biggest challenges because that's related to everything. Everything. Um, so identity and self-worth, are big, big things that we 
try to help instill in young people and work with. And so I think me going through that process was maybe my biggest challenge. And nobody can do that alone, I don't think. Um, it takes like a, a support system or, or groups of people around you to help you figure out who you are and what your values are and your moral compass. So um, I think for me, like that was that was a journey. And, and I'm definitely still working on that, uh, making sure that I live every day, like just comfortable in my own skin. So um, I don't know how I overcame it. Right. Like we're still working we're on still it. We're still working all of it. Um, but yeah, I would say like that just because your your mental health and happiness is linked to every aspect of your life. And I love that you said that because you and I have talked about that too. Like we would see kids in the classroom and I'm always so I'm always so excited when I see that kid that's like dancing to their own drummer mm -hmm. and that's really cool with like being themselves. And then a lot of times, like as teachers or in education, we see that kind of change because somebody makes fun of them or somebody mm -hmm. has an opinion about something. And it's like um, to anybody out there listening, just like be true to yourself. Dance so right. Mm -hmm. Like it's it's so not worth it. The people that love you will love you regardless. Right. Absolutely. And then and then don't worry about the rest. Yeah. And it might take more than one reminder. Yeah. Like, Amen. You know, as yeah. teachers, I'm sure we both have had conversations with students where we try to kind of hype them up or or make them feel happy with who they are. And it doesn't always work right away. Yeah. And it's it's a process and it's a journey. So I think you know, just listen to those ones, those that actually love you for you. And I think that's really, really important. Very much so. Very much so. Um, so you have had, I mean, quite the quite the career and you're very, I mean, I don't want to say this, but you're young. I mean, you've mm -hmm. done a lot. You've accomplished a lot in a really short amount of time. Um, and so like, what was your career path and how did you end up becoming a science teacher and later uh, working at UNO implementing STEM programs for disadvantaged students? I mean, how did mm -hmm. all of that happen? Yeah. Um, so like I said, like ever since high school, I kind of was working towards that goal of being a science teacher. Um, and I was really lucky because a lot of times people enter college and don't have that um, that drive or that purpose. They're still learning. So I was really blessed to be able to um, kind of like execute and be very um, precise with like how I moved through my college experience. Yes. So um, I ended up getting... Uh, secondary science um, and was a teacher for five years. But over, the, over those five years, I did my first master's in STEM education. Um, and then I'm a couple classes away from a master's in biology. And so doing that coursework, I think, was uh, really changing in the way in which I viewed the classroom and my own teaching style method um, and like the art of teaching. So there was definitely influential professors at UNO, um, which is where I did my master's that kind of reshaped and helped me rethink the way um, that I view education, especially, yes. you know, teaching middle school. It's such a tough age and you really have to get creative with it and figure out, you know, how to best reach those kids. So um, I was working really hard and um, I developed my own course uh, at you or at OPS rather. Sorry. Yeah. Um, it was a project based STEM course that I thought um, was really unique and, and interesting and a cool way to teach science. So I did that for uh, two and a half years and um, after that, I saw that UNO was looking for somebody in the position I am now 
um, coordinating their STEM programs um, through the College of Information Science Technology. So um, I always joke that like in the world of STEM, I switched from the S to the T. Yes. Um, I went from (laughs) science to technology, but I mean, really they're all connected and they are all related. So um, I applied and, and I think, you know, imposter syndrome is a huge issue, especially with teachers. Yes. Um, because once you're in the classroom, like that's where you live and breathe and right. grow. And, and it's hard to step out of that space where you feel confident and comfortable. For sure. Um, so I, I transitioned to UNO and I'm having a blast um, working with K through 12 programs for students throughout the metro um, housed at the Peter Kiewit Institute. So cool. So it's been a really, really fun uh, journey, and I'm, I'm happy where I am. Um, and it's really ironic because uh, we host, or I kind of help coordinate a high school internship, and there's a couple of former students that I saw oh. from OPS How cool. that applied for this internship, and I just see them still out there, still, you know, pushing forward. And it was just a really cool like moment to see like, oh, like I recognize that name. I had them in seventh grade. Like, it's really cool to see that. So yeah, so that's where I am now. And um, I'm really happy where I'm at. That's awesome. And I think you draw on an excellent point that if we are truly believe in lifelong learning and being lifelong learners, that like you can always stretch yourself. Mm -hmm. And if where you're meant to be is in the classroom forever, and then that's great. But if you, as a professional, want to stretch and grow into other areas, and you're obviously impacting a ton of students um, mm-hmm. on a broader scope now, mm-hmm. um, and so uh, obviously all the lives that you touched and things like that, and then to have it brought full cycle mm-hmm. that there's kiddos that like you recognize that are now in the STEM programs that you you know, so mm-hmm. that's super super cool. Um, so you, I mean, are very passionate about implementing STEM, um, or cause I had, I looked this up, <laughs> science, <laughs> technology, engineering, and math into, cur- into our curriculum as much as possible. I'm going to throw a little stat at you and you probably know this, but according to the U S department of commerce, STEM occupations are growing at 17% while other occupations are growing at 9.8. What are you doing and what can parents and teachers do to encourage more students to engage in STEM? Mm-hmm. Well, that's um, that's a heavy question. Uh, <laughs> I think first and foremost, we really need to reframe the way in which that we view STEM and talk about STEM or right. think about science. Because, um, you know, I've worked in science labs before. I was, you know, I had a blast working in um, Dr. Kuksakaki's lab at UNO learning about immunology and getting that lab experience. But that's not what science is for everybody. Right. And so uh, when I was teaching middle school, I tried really hard to infuse whatever lesson we were doing with the idea that anybody is a scientist and um, you use science, Uh, you know, like sixth grade, uh, for whatever reason, this has always stuck with me, but (laughs) we learn about um, ecological footprints and we learn about sustainable resources and even things like fisheries where um, people raise fish uh, and it's an option for like sustainable, sustainable fishing practices. And I was like, you think that the people who run fisheries are not using science every single day? You are kidding me, right? Yes. Um, So there are so many careers out there that use science, but they're not labeled as STEM field 
So, you know, I think STEM is a really big buzzword where we can like look, be like, oh, these high paying STEM careers or careers in the STEM field, which absolutely there are. And there's a huge need for those. But not everybody wants that as their path. So reframing how we how we view science, technology, engineering and math, because I think a lot of times people get stuck on the engineering and math. Um, and you don't always need to go that path to have a job in STEM. So I think that's maybe the first step. Um, the second is, I mean, directed fully at teachers and parents, and right. and that's rethinking how we teach science. Um, so a, a general theme working with elementary teachers as a middle school teacher is there was always this one teacher I could tell he loved teaching science to elementary students. Yes. They always came with a great foundation. And then you could tell that some were maybe more nervous about teaching science. And this is echoed like even with my own mom, who is a second grade teacher. She um, She's working with my nephew right now Aww. because he's at home uh, yeah. and doing virtual school. And she's like, I might need your help, you know, teaching some of these science lessons. And right. I'm like, you can do it. Like mm-hmm. you, you use science. And so teachers need to really get more comfortable with teaching science. Um, and then understanding that you can do things like project-based learning and teach science in an effective way. There are, you know, challenges with project-based learning. It's not you know, the traditional style of teaching, but you can do that. Um, And then I was really, really lucky with, I had a a colleague from a a high school in OPS specifically reach out to me and and pull me in on a project she was working on with her kids that was partnered with UNO and the um, service learning program. Yes, I remember that. So cool. So we we did uh, like a a waste stream analysis. We implemented... um, composting at our school. So we did all these science things that are um, framed around empowering students to be um, environmental stewards or using science as a vehicle for social action. And I even think in in the, the political, social, economic climate that we're sitting in right now, absolutely, science is sitting at the center of that conversation, whether it's acknowledged or not, right? right. A lot of the a lot of the problems that we engage with every day can be solved through critical thinking or creative science solutions. Um, So that's, I mean, that's like the meta, like the big, like, oh no, like (laughs) let's not get too deep into it because we'll be sad. There's so much work to do. Um, But if you're a parent, like there are a ton of STEM-based programs in Omaha, I have to give a shout out to my own college. Yes. Um, yes I mean, we do. have we have summer programming. We did a virtual, a totally virtual oh, awesome. um, summer program this year called Tacademy. Oh. Um, and then we have things like uh, programs called Code Crush, which are oriented towards trying to get girls involved in. Yes, STEM. I was going to mention that too. That's um, such a big thing. Yeah, and and other partnerships we have like Eureka offered through Girls Inc. Um, you know, the UNO STEM Trails is a new resource. Um, and that's kind of in collaboration or in tandem with the STEM ecosystem that Omaha's attempting to build in terms of like infrastructure of, of different community partners, like the zoo and the colleges and, and businesses are in on this um, effort to get kids more involved in STEM. So I would say, you know, there are opportunities where you might have to pay for your child to be involved in these programs, yeah. but there are also opportunities 
for free resources or free activities that you can um, utilize as a parent to just kind of inject science into the conversation or into your into your daily life into everyday life so where can they where can parents go if they want to sign up for any of those programs is it the UNO website so I, I mean yeah like for me like a lot of things yeah. are housed through the UNO website yeah yeah um, that's good. but I mean you can google um, Just STEM programs in yeah Omaha. you can google STEM trails in cool. Omaha you can google STEM ecosystem Omaha cool. um, there's just a lot I mean even last night I was just doing some preliminary like okay let's see what what's even out there yeah. if i'm just a person just trying to trying find to something or yeah. get connected but um yeah so just i mean i know it's like silly to say but just like do a little bit of googling do a little yes. bit of light research yeah and if you find one thing like latch on find a contact i know like my email address is like attached to some of these random web pages yes. on UNO's website yes. so don't be afraid to email us and be like I'm confused like <laughs> can you point me in the right direction right because a lot of times like almost every entity in Omaha has a position like mine where right. our job is to coordinate these programs and connect connect the the community with them very cool yeah I love I love what you said about just incorporating stem into everyday life because obviously another thing we don't like I don't think of myself as a scientist I guarantee you my family would not necessarily think of themselves, but we live in Nebraska, which is like heavily in agriculture. And mm-hmm. a lot of the things that STEM can help with are mm-hmm. their genetics and all of the stuff in the, in the agricultural industry. So it's super interesting. Um, yeah. And Lincoln does, I mean, Lincoln has some amazing, if we can throw a, a pun in, it has a beefy agriculture program. I hate myself. <laughs> Um, no, it has a, it has a really robust agriculture program that is, I mean, uses science every single day to help, you know, people in that industry, whether you are the person farming the land or the person using equipment or selling equipment, um, managing all of those resources. Like it's a huge, huge piece of, of Nebraska's puzzle. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, so I know that uh, I can speak from personal experience. Dan is extremely humble, but I'm going to ask you to toot your own horn a little bit here. So when in your life can you think of a time when you made the most difference or where you felt like you made the most difference? <laughs> yeah, I, was, I definitely have written down that I was going to dodge this question. Um, <laughs> so, I, um, so as a teacher, like very few of us have those moments where a student comes back after... <laughs> After 25 years and says, you changed my life. It's the Mr. Holland's Opus story. Everybody wants it. (laughs) Everybody Everybody goes into teaching that's not a movie. Let's be real. It's not not typically going to happen. No. Um, But I I tried really hard to think about my own career in the classroom. And there definitely were some moments that serve as my reminders of why. Um, Why I did this. And I, I, I remember... Specifically, I ran a speech and debate team at the middle school, and I also worked with a high school here in town. And we were in the middle school uh, in my classroom, and it is bonkers because it's after school, and they're the speech kids, like yes. like you they're said. Fun. They're fun. They're they, fun. They do march to the yes. beat of their own drum. <laughs> and I just remember sitting at my desk just watching them, and there was one student in particular working really hard on a persuasive speech that in my opinion, was really meaningful. And he wasn't even talking to me. We weren't interacting, but I was just looking at him thinking like, 
this is one of the reasons why I'm here. Like, he is doing research. He is writing. He is uh, advocating. He's he's calling for social change. And so that was one of the main ones that were, or ones that stick out in my memory of like, okay, like, that's why I'm doing this. Um, and I think for me, a lot of like those also moments happen with extracurriculars. Yes. And we won't get into the whole like teachers should do extracurriculars right. because that's <laughs> such like a hot mess hot, topic. Hot, hot topic. But yeah. um, you know, coaching after school programs like Science Olympiad. Yes. Um, I remember one instance there was a student who got second place at the state competition. Amazing. Like yes. but he was so mad. And so we went on a walk to walk it out. <laughs> and we were walking around Lincoln's campus, because that's where states held. And he was just popping off about how his brother is at an Ivy League school and he's so successful and his other brother is really successful. And <laughs> and he just, you know, he's trying so hard yeah. to do all these other things and, and set himself apart from them. And and I mean, really, it sounded like he wanted attention, you know, loving attention from his parents. And and we and we talked about that and we unpacked that and. Situations like that where it's like, you know, I'm not directly teaching him content in that right. moment, but being a teacher has put me in a position where I can help guide him through maybe some of those feelings associated with success and achievement um, and give him tools to be successful in the future. So those are just a couple of things I thought about, like, OK, you know, like those kids might not even remember those like they probably don't. But um, for me, like as a teacher, I'm like, OK, like those are two Two moments where I'm like, great, like, at least we accomplished something today. Absolutely. Something something good. Yeah. I love both of those stories. And I don't know. I would argue that I bet that they do remember those (laughs) um, pretty impactful moments. We'll see if they come back in 25 years. (laughs) Mr. Collins Opus. (laughs) No, Mr. Mr. Dan Stokes. Um, You know, what what advice do you wish to give someone? uh, What advice do you wish someone as a young man would have given to you? Starting in your career? Um, nothing ever is going to go according to plan. <laughs> Love it. Um, I Facts, think, hashtag. Yeah, you touched on it earlier. Um, the world of education is so big. Yeah. And um, my mother was a classroom teacher for 35 plus years, worked teaching first and second grade, reading, writing, arithmetic, like, and that was her jam. Yeah. That's where she was living her best life. Yes. For me, I thought that that's what teaching looked like, and I thought that's what teaching was. And so when I entered the profession, I was really happy, like, you know, working hard, but um, growing as a professional and and learning more about the world of education, I saw that there are opportunities for me to have impact outside of the classroom. Absolutely. And so um, the classroom, I'm no longer in it, but I I could go back. Um, I might go back in a different capacity, but there are so many different avenues in every career that you select. And it's not, doesn't even have to be focused on education, right. but any career that you select, there's more opportunity than, than we're taught typically in high school or in college. There's a lot of avenues for success. And so I just wish I would have known, here's all the different, right. all the different options you have. Right. Um, because as I grow and, and that idea of being comfortable in my own skin, like, and learned about myself, like I learned I can move in a certain direction or, or change course. And that's definitely okay. Yes. And 
And I think we're even seeing now, like, there's professions, like, I try to tell my kids, and I know that you did, too, that it's, like, there's professions and jobs that haven't even been created yet. Mm -hmm. So it's, like, keep yourself open, Mm -hmm. you know, keep yourself open, and, and, but keep learning. Um, Since this is a podcast geared towards young people, Mm -hmm. what would you tell a young person hoping to get into a STEM field? Um, I think, I mean, really, it's just... uh, Try it out. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, there is so much evidence to show that um, a lot of the disparities between students entering specific career fields is due to uh, an opportunity gap. Right. Um, it used to be called the achievement gap, right. but um, it, it, it's been reframed to this idea of the opportunity gap that if you have not had the experience or um, had a chance to to do something or try something out, um, you, you know, your overall education um, or career trajectory is impacted. Yeah. So, um, like I like I said, don't box yourself in and, and don't think there's just one pathway that you have to follow. Um, and I and let's I mean let's not ignore the fact that some students will have more hurdles to overcome than others. Um, and so if you are in a situation where you aren't as privileged as another individual, um, and whether that be your gender, whether that be your ethnicity or race, or whether that be your socioeconomic status, I may mean, think that we're trying really hard to provide opportunities for people at all um, levels of our, of our community to experience and get involved um, in STEM programs. So I would say just try it, you know, um, and, and see if it's something that you are interested in or if it's a field that you want to want to pursue. Absolutely. And so very important right now, for sure, that equality of opportunity. Um, who was a mentor, teacher, or impactful person in your life, and mm-hmm. how did they help you? Um, I... I struggle to uh, point to one person, um, and I think I could ramble for like the next thirty minutes about all the people that have gone out of their way to assist me in in my in my career trajectory. Right. Um, and I think that's, I mean, that's one of the main things of being a teacher is you're part of like this mosaic of someone's life. life. And journey and story and you know people will be like oh my third grade teacher was the one like she had it like that like yeah. she did that for me yeah um but for me it was there were definitely people who stuck their necks out for me and advocated for me yeah. and put put me up and and pushed me uh to to be better and it's hard because I don't want to say that was the one because I can never do all of those people justice. There's too many people who have worked really hard to mentor me, help me, um, and just be there for me um, in any capacity that I need. I mean, there's people that listen to me complain each and every day. (laughs) Um, And I would say that they're an impactful person because, um, you know, I'm able to to vent and get those frustrations out. The the mentors that sometimes are teachers. Yeah. I remember the first uh, the first person who took a chance on me hired me right out of high school to be a, a speech and debate coach um, here in Omaha. Continuously supported me and always said like, "Well, when you win Teacher of the Year, you know, like I'm not going to be surprised." And and things like that seem silly, but that's 
I mean, I'm not with you. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to win teacher of the year because I'm not a teacher right now, but, um, his words of encouragement and his just steadfast belief that like, absolutely you're going to be successful in whatever realm that you choose to conquer is, is important. So, um, I try to kind of reflect that type of energy back, um, to the people that I interact with. Absolutely. And I can, I'm, I mean, you've been a huge encourager and supporter of mine, so I can definitely say that that's the truth. You do exhibit that to everyone that you meet. So what's next for Dan Stokes? <laughs> oh, who knows? Um, <laughs> Stand up comedy, yeah. actor, like we're going to you know, see. I, I said, up. I said when we used to work together, I was like, I can see you on Saturday Night Live. Like I love Saturday Night Live <laughs> anyway, but I'm like, you're just as good as those guys. Absolutely you're hilarious. Nice. Um, yeah. Uh, right now, um, I'm really happy with uh, working at UNO and yes. um, getting to kind of flex my creative muscles in how we interact and engage youth uh, in Omaha. Yes. Um, but I also am currently in in graduate school again because I have issues. No, because um, you're a lifelong learner. <laughs> yeah, and I am working on my um, clinical mental health uh, endorsement or, so or master's. So, so um, taking that and, and seeing wherever the wind blows me really is, is the answer I usually give people because I would love to work somehow merge the the worlds of education and mental health, which obviously yes, so needed. They're already intertwined. Ooh, yeah. Um, but something something in in that realm of just utilizing, you know, all the skills that I have and that I've been working towards um, sharpening. And the thing that I admire most about you, Dan, is that you truly use all of the gifts and talents that you're given. And that's just something that we can all aspire to do because it's really not just self. I mean, it's not self-serving. It's also serving the world. So it's it's pretty, pretty impactful. Um, I always like to throw this question in there and my guests are always like, oh, my gosh. But um, what do you want your legacy to be? Oh, he tried. <laughs> yes. He tried. Uh, and we have it. That's <laughs> my favorite. It might be my favorite answer, honestly. Um, you know, that's the thing. <laughs> not everybody can be at the top of their field. Right. There's not space for every single person, but there is space for every person in the field. Right. And so no matter what happens to me, I just want people to look back and be like, you know what? He was out there. He was doing his yes. best. Yes. He <laughs> used what he had to, you know, work towards what he thought was right and just. And and, and he tried. Yes. So that's, I mean, really, that's all I can hope for. I love that. I I love, I, it's honestly, it's probably my favorite one so far. No offense to anybody else. <laughs> um, so finally, if there was one quote or motto that you live by, what would it be? Um, okay. Um, yeah, I, it's hard cause I don't, um, I'm not like a, a quote person, Yeah. but, um, something that has stuck with me. And like I, like I mentioned earlier, there were professors that, um, changed my trajectory of my career. And I, um, one of them, she does not take credit for this quote, um, but she says th- it was another quote that has manifested in her and, and she speaks on it. But Dr. Pearson at UNO, she says, you know, nothing um, about us without us is for us. And um, I've tried really hard as a teacher to take that to heart 
and recognize mm-hmm. that I'm a white male yes. um, in a field serving predominantly people who don't look like me um, and understanding that I need to check myself and do the work and educate myself about other people's circumstance situation um, to best help them. And so in order to really help people and um, push people forward, uh, especially in the world of education, I have to remind myself, you know, if, if the people I'm trying to help are not in on the conversation, then I'm not really helping them. Absolutely. I'm helping myself feel good. Right. So um, that would be something that I'm trying really hard, um, especially with our, our current, uh, you know, political climate, yes. um, making sure that I'm not speaking from a place of privilege and not understanding um, what people actually need from me. So that's what I'm trying really hard to uh, to live by. No, and as as we all should. So that was that was wonderful, and that was also a great ending. So, <laughs> um, Dan, we thank you for the work that you are doing and for the lives that you are changing, and we are grateful for your time with us here today. Thank you for having me so much. And thank you so much for being with us here today on Education with an Edge, the podcast dedicated to our youth because every child matters and you are our future. This is Jaquel Lane. Have a great day. Thanks for listening. If you have a question or just want to learn more, go to JaquelLane.com. Thanks for listening to Education with an Edge. A Parkville Media Production.